Hello and welcome to Are You a Weezer Fan? As always, I'm John, here with Bill. If I have to type Weezerpedia into my keyboard one more time. A show that brings you the chronological story of Weezer history, music, and lore. Bill, what are we doing today? Oh boy, we're on the road again. On the road again with Weezer. Alright. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we're, it's touring for Green Album time. Sweet. Okay, so we had the Green Album come out. Well... You know, I guess maybe we got to backtrack because this band is constantly, constantly on the road. Yeah. Well, as we covered in our green album episode, uh, there was a lot of touring before this album was even thought about. Well, kind of the touring made this album become a thing because they realized, hey, people don't hate us. Right. We had the post Pinkerton hiatus. We had Mikey Welsh getting hired seemingly to do nothing. We had a weird time for Weezer, but then they get signed on to a couple gigs that they get really excited for, and they knock out of the park. Um, So, Bill, should we just start this? Yeah, I think that's the only way to... Well, let's rewind back before the green came out, and let's hit the road. Okay. Uh, we talked about this a bit already. We hit uh, a couple club dates that were warm-up dates on uh, between June 16th and June 22nd of 2000 right. before if, we do a week of the Warp Tour. Right, because if you remember, they were offered a major festival in Japan that they were like, hell yeah, so they wanted to warm up for it. During that time, they just got hit up out of nowhere of, hey, do you guys want to do the Warp Tour? And... Both the Warp Tour and that Japanese festival just boosted their confidence. Yeah. So they do the Warp Tour from June 23rd to July 1st and uh, all just California dates. Yeah, it, look, it looks like staying close to home, just hitting a little over a week. Okay. Uh, then they do another couple club dates, July 3rd, July 4th, and then they head out uh, just on some random West Coast dates until the end of July. Yeah, I think still just wanting to be in pocket for, like, I really think it was all just for this, uh, what was the festival in Japan? Uh, the Summer Sonic Fest, uh, that was early August, the 4th to the 10th. Um, so they had a couple of the festival dates and then also just a couple club dates around Japan. And that was uh, the first show that was booked for them after right. the Pinkerton hiatus. Uh, they played... Great show, from what I understand. Yeah, we we watched some of it. You can see the whole thing. It's the crowd loves it. Like it definitely. I could see why doing that would make you go, "Oh shit, we should probably make another album." But right. well, then there they talk to the label a little bit, and labels like you don't get to do that self producing bullshit again. So start thinking about it. And then they go back to the U.S. and do a. <laughs> they what, do a U.S. tour. They uh, do, but is it the? first date of the u.s tour the the first night yeah so they get back and they are starting a u.s tour in new york uh and guess who is in attendance fucking friend of the pod rick okasic man that's like i do we talked about a little bit in the recording episode but damn that's just such a coincidence that i don't think weezer would be where they are right now if they didn't get rick back for this album yeah and per Carl Cook on Weezerpedia, you know, by the end of the show, uh, him and the band were talking and looking really hyped and excited because we know that 
by this point in time, they were already kind of looking for producers. They were doing some stuff. Uh, they had a lot of material written, you know, they were ready for this album to happen. And the fact that he was just there by just chance there. because just, he's a guy that's living in New York and it's right. just like, Oh yeah. fucking Weezer. Like, exactly. absolutely. I'd love to see them as well as like, I'm Rico Kasich. So I can just walk <laughs> into the green it. room yep. and nobody's going to stop me. Like, wow. That's wonderful. Rico Kasich. Uh, and then U S tour, another fun, notable show at the end of this U S tour on September 17th, uh, Mikey Welsh lights his bass on fire and smashes it, yes, which yes. is always a fun thing to see on stage. Right. And uh, again, we're just covering some ground again because this is before the album comes out. At this time, we start recording the Green album, uh, but they are they can't stop playing shows for some reason. They just can't turn it off. So they get like a few days off from recording. Mm-hmm. They throw or they get offered to play a New Year's Eve show opening for Blink-182. Yeah, because uh, Blink-182 really wanted them to open for this show because they were Weezer fans. Are they Weezer fans? Uh, At this point in time, from what I've read, yes. Like those dudes were just like, we want Weezer to open this New Year's Eve show. Can we get Tom DeLong on the pod and ask him the question? I mean... We're not a podcast about aliens, so I doubt it, actually. I, do, I will turn us on a dime. We can make this happen. Uh, but they, they do like to be prepared for shows, and it was a pretty big event. So they played a secret show, another goat punishment show, which is the secret moniker that Weezer will play shows under if they don't want people to know Weezer's about to play. And uh, we'll, we'll come back to goat punishment after we run through uh, the rest of this tour. Yeah, because now we're in 2001. Um, They take this holiday break from recording the album, and then they finish it in early 2001. Uh, So now we are actually at, like, the Green Album Tour when they are promoting a thing that actually exists. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Like, everything that we've talked about has really been, like, hyper-extended Pinkerton touring, you know? Yes, which they could have named it, which they use in naming later, (laughs) but... yeah. Um, but we get first, uh, from February to mid March of 2001, Weezer is on a tour sponsored by (laughs) yahoo.com. Yeah. Checks out. Yeah. Uh, but a fun thing about it is there was a fan vote for who would be the supporting act. Yeah. I mean, it really shows the step into the future that Weezer finally took. It really took them until like 2000, 2001 to be on the internet. Like the end of the Weezine happened and Carl pretty much moved all of his thoughts to his blog, Carl's Corner. And uh, they had the technology to straight up say, hey, who should open our next tour? Right. And the two bands that get selected by the fans are one I, I wish I knew it is it Ozma or Ozma I've been Bill? liking Ozma I think it feels I, I better. think I think Ozma feels we better be as wrong, well but. uh and the get up kids or is it the get up kids yes the get up kids <laughs> that sounds better as well um but Ozma to me uh, we we just listened to just like 30 seconds of it it wasn't at one point and I've never heard of them before sound pretty much a hell of a lot like Weezer just really they were keeping it wheezy yeah we really are only 
five, six years after Blue has come out and, you know, four years after Pinkerton and the Weezer influence is apparent in in newer bands at this point in 2001. Yeah, and the Get Up Kids is a fun one for me, though, because they're one of my favorite, like, mid to late 90s emo influences, and they're pure Midwest emo. Uh, and it's it's interesting to see, like, the, the Pinkerton emo influences kind of already happening a little bit or like even in the sense like the kids that are glomming on to Pinkerton probably yeah, are the ones that are on this voting for it. Yeah, like yeah, I think yeah, the yeah. the Blue fans got Ozma on this tour. The Pinkerton <laughs> fans got the Get Up Kids yeah. on this tour yeah, uh, is, is kind of my guess. Yeah. Huh. Wow. And it's, so that tour happens until mid-March. Uh, then they go back to Japan. They take a little bit of time off and they go back to Japan in April uh, and play, what, nine or seven shows looks like in nine days over there? Yeah. I mean, it's just, I feel like Rivers really did get everything he wanted out of this band. Gets to go to Japan whenever he wants to play shows. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy that yeah. like it, it worked out. I mean, I guess when you have such a successful album like Blue, you can you can make things happen. You can go. You can go to Japan. It's not that hard to go to Japan, but he gets to do it as a job for the rest of his life, whenever he feels like it. And we will continue to see that. Like I, I think before the end of this, definitely by the end of the next touring episode, we're going to get back to Japan. And, uh, but when they get back, at this point, we are in promo mode. Promo heavy mode. It is May of two thousand and one, Bill. Um, do you remember anything about May 2001? <laughs> I was going to make a bad joke. No, I don't remember anything about May 2001. What am I supposed to remember about May 2001? May 15th, 2001, the green oh, album drops. From down. our episodes. No, John, the second we finish recording, I just flush all the information out of my brain. <laughs> you got to remind me of these things. Well, so they do a, a leg of shows. Uh, they're, they're radio promos on either end. And when you see like these radio promotion shows, they're, they're weird things. I actually worked one of these that Weezer played at one of my venues. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember when they were on that one. Yeah. So uh, essentially it is promotion for an album or promotion for something and the band might play seven to ten songs it's uh not a full concert by any means yeah. there could be a meet and greet there could be a q a attached to it uh and some of them have gotten mixed reviews especially like this one as well i saw a lot of things on the weezerpedia where there were some people that were best they had maybe won a radio contest or bought a ticket thinking that they were getting a Weezer show uh, when it was just like a quick promo thing. Well, it's free. Shut up. <laughs> Go to your meet and greet and make awkward non-eye contact with Rivers. That's how I feel as well. Uh, so they do a little bit of those kind of bookending the release. So from early May until early June, they're doing some of those. Right. But, uh, but in the middle of that, they do another... This is just what they do now, right? They play a show at Tower Records. 
Yeah, I, seemingly that, that's just their that's the release, release thing. Yeah, so uh, it, and that's another daytime parking lot show. Yeah, from what you understand. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's fun as hell. They just like to do it, I guess. I mean, yeah. Shout out back to where Rivers worked and kind of started falling in love with music more than just his narrow tastes from where he was back in East Coast. You know? I, I guess. Um. So making this touring saga harder than any of the other tours we've done so far. Weezer starts to do an interesting thing right out of the gate after green comes out. Um, they play a show, uh, for a BBC. They play a set for a BBC show and they don't play any songs off of green. So less than a month after the green album drops, they are in the UK playing a show for the BBC and they don't play anything to promote their new album. They don't play anything off their old albums either. They only play new songs that they have already started writing a whole set worth. What? I don't understand why they would do this. I mean, maybe there is a little of understanding here because the second this album dropped, and we're going to talk about this more when we actually cover the next album. Mm-hmm. But they fire their entire management team. And I don't know why. And they self-produce the next album again. And they don't want any more interference. And they pretty much stop promoting Green the second it comes out. I don't understand it. Right. Like, I know that, uh, and we talked about this on the Green episode that kind of near the end of the recording, there was like the day that like some of the label guys came in and, you know, they were pissed off because they didn't like what they heard. Um, and what was it? A Pat Wilson quote? Oh <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it's Pat. Uh, that was just, uh, it's like, Oh yeah. Like, Oh, we heard they were unhappy. Yeah. Cause it sucked. Well, what did you guys do to change that? We stopped sucking. <laughs> Love that. But it, uh, so it's strange. I get uh, it's incorrect to say they completely stopped promoting the album, but that's one of their first appearances since the album came out and they do nothing but new songs. Nobody's heard yet, which is nuts. But while they're over there in Europe, they do continue a tour. They have a tour to play. So they do play green songs, blue songs, Pinkerton songs on tour, along with some of these, new along songs. with some of the new ones. Absolutely. Um, and so they're doing that from about mid June to early July. Um, and there's some festival dates popped in there. Um, and then some of these last dates, we get a band called London Crackout. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never heard of them before. Uh, but Jimmy world are mm-hmm. on these dates with Weezer. I've never heard of them before. So. Yeah. Neither have I, uh, Jimmy world. Uh, so yeah, that's a fun one. Um, but well, this tour was not great for everyone in Weezer at well, different times. Yeah, not just the tour, but we're kind of going to vivisect this episode with, well, I guess with this right here. So Mikey Welsh, as we talked about earlier, was brought in right at the end of Pinkerton touring, sat around not doing anything with the band for about two years. Mm-hmm. Um so he comes back into everything we just covered. Some warm-up club dates, nothing too crazy. Um, starts Warp Tour, 
And from the sounds, this is kind of the first one that there's a firsthand account of uh, in No Effects's book. They talk about, uh, Eric Melvin, guitarist, talks about how much cocaine he was doing with the bass player from Weezer. They were only on tour for a week, and this made it into this man's memoir about how much cocaine he was doing. It, it was that's, that's wild. I mean, he was talking about just how much him and the band were doing as a whole, and also the bass player from Weezer would come to their van every night and party with them, which is kind of, just looking at the dates, that's right when this all starts. What is that even? That's seven days into actually being on tour with Weezer. Right. Like that's his first taste of like actual big band success, you know? Yeah. And there's not much like we can, we have a couple of accounts from Mikey himself talking about how he was doing at the time. And he said he had undiagnosed, uh, borderline personality disorder, a lot of anxiety. He was treating all of this with drugs and alcohol. He said pretty much for his whole life. So it wasn't, he didn't like get in Weezer and inspire. Well, he didn't get in Weezer and start doing all these things. Right. But he did probably get in Weezer and it did seem to spiral. Yeah. Um, And unfortunately this touring both before and after recording and releasing the green album, uh, takes a toll on him. And by the end of this European leg in July of 2001, uh, he returns. Uh, we're going to go back and play some East Coast dates and then do a performance on Leno to end it. Uh, and he had already scheduled to spend some time with his family after these shows and take a break. Yeah, and his family had already scheduled uh, appointments with a psychiatrist for him, which is a great first step. Get the brain, get the old noggin checked out yep, and then absolutely. probably get some actual treatment here. But uh, he says um, that he started falling apart during the European tour. Uh, he was doing so much drugs. By the time they got back to the States, he's like 6'2". He's massive. Like, that's a tall dude mm-hmm. weighing 140 pounds. Ew. And he was like, even on the cover of the album, like he's got some weight on him. It's not like yeah, he already that, like, that's was a definitely some dude. weight loss. Yeah. And, yeah, so he's ready to seek some treatment, but he does have to go out and play a couple dates. Yeah, so they do uh, two nights, New York and New Jersey, and um, those nights are actually the last official Mikey Welsh Weezer concerts. concerts. Yes, performances, like, you know, a concert, because then they do have one night uh, at Jay Leno. Yeah, they play Island in the Sun on Leno on July 27th, 2001. Yeah. And this is Mikey Welsh's last time playing with Weezer. Yeah. And then this is again from Mikey. He says when he got back to Boston after doing Leno, he had a complete mental breakdown. And this is, uh, I think, the second or third time that Mikey attempted suicide, but this one was really close to being successful. Um, his family found him. He tried to overdose on purpose and his family found him, brought him to the hospital and he was in a coma for multiple days before he woke back up. And uh, yeah, that's just real heavy, real quick. Yeah. Um, real heavy, real quick. And <sighs> 
it's it's tough because I mean I mean first and foremost, uh, good on in his family and good on him for doing what they could to try to seek that yeah, mental health. But it, that really sucks because they were right there. Like yeah. they were seemed like they were right on the hey man, like we need to get you help. And it was like yeah yeah yeah. First I got to go do this final stretch, and then just I don't know. It's it's really it's a bummer and it, it put the rest of the band in obviously that's not, <laughs> yeah, that's not what's not important but weezer got put in a bit of a tight spot because their album had just come out and they had music videos to film and more tours to go on yeah so we had already talked about this when the music video for island in the sun the spike jones version with the animals um that was filmed without Mikey Welsh. And at that point in time, the band kind of, you know, didn't know where he was, kind of thought he was back with family. Like, I think when the video was actually being shot, it had all come out a little bit because they did say they joked about like having a man, somebody leaves this bang and I forget their name, Matt Sharp come back and like maybe be in the video as a stand in, or just like having a way to have a fourth person there. Um, but it really seems like they didn't think Mikey was out of the band yet, though. Is that fair to say? Yes, that is 100% fair to say because sometime between July 27th, 2001, and I'm going to say August uh, 23rd, 2001, because I mean, we've got to have at least a couple days to prepare. Uh, it's something very important to the trajectory of Weezer happens. Rivers makes a phone call. Or, I mean, it could have been an email. I honestly don't fucking know. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Enter Scott Schreiner, our final Weezer member. Yeah, so we have now officially locked down Weezer. This is our seventh member, our last bass player. Unless any major changes happen... While we're still recording this podcast, Weezer's lineup is solidis- solidified. Something some weird happens during Ratitude, but we'll get there. Yeah, but official band members, this is it. There's some guest musicians, there's some touring musicians, but this is it. Our fourth member is here. Scott Schreiner, born July 11th, 1965 in Toledo, Ohio. Is that the only non-East Coast boy in this band? It's East Time Zone. <laughs> Fine, you got me there. Um, uh, we didn't get too much on like his childhood and stuff. It seems like pretty smooth sailing. I mean, he is one of the least documented in the Weezer area because he wasn't around during Weezing times. And I listened to a podcast. Uh, his dad was a musician um, and eventually left the family because he was trying to work a little bit by day doing real estate and, you know, play gigs by night. And that's not a normal life for a family, blah, blah, you know, that sounds fine to me. Uh, yeah. But, uh, regardless, uh, that, that's what I know of his childhood. Okay. Well then at least he's, he's got some musical background in his family, which makes sense. Yes. His dad was definitely, um, playing bars. He was like a jazz blues 
kind of guy. Oh, very cool. I think saxophonist, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Um, well, something interesting later in his life, uh, after school, he did two years in the Marines, which is something that is can be a really good asset to have in a musician, especially somebody who's working as a hired gun, which is kind of what he picks up almost right away. Well, so sorry to even step back to his childhood. You yeah. mentioned hired gun. Um, his dad was an assassin? No. Oh. When he was picking up bass as a kid, it was because, I, I guess, uh, and this is another story from that podcast that he was interviewed on, uh, Somebody told his mom, just like, oh, yeah, if he picks up a bass guitar, he'll always have a job. And that's true. That's, that's such right. A, yeah. I mean, like, absolutely <laughs> in the music scene, but also so funny to have been like, you know, oh, yeah, like he'll have a job in music, <laughs> you know, and where normally that's a thing that like parents try to dispel. Hey, it was the 80s. That was still possible at that time. Yeah. All right. Um, but regardless, back to it. So, yeah, he goes to the Marines for a couple of years. Um, Gets out and just tr- looks like he just joins every band. Uh, here, one second. I have a, we got so many. I know. I think I, the best way to do this is let, let's lump them all together. He, he gets out of the Marines. He joins a bunch of bands. Then he enrolls in the L.A. Musicians Institute, which is just furthering being really good at an instrument every band needs you know rivers got kicked out of the la music institute did we cover that i don't think we did huh when did that happen was it between tower record jobs yeah i may be pulling that out of my ass right now i don't know we'll we'll uh we'll, correct we'll cover it, it on the if, bullshit episode yeah if we're wrong we'll uh correct okay and then after uh or while he's doing uh, LA Musicians Institute and just working jobs, he joins more bands. And I think we should just list all of the bands now. Okay. So all of the bands and we're going to leave one for last. Uh, We've got the seventh wave, the exciters, the movers loved by millions, the great barbecue gods, Um, broken bomber, the Teresa Harris Band, Black Elvis, Crown, Mystery Train, The Fever, and uh, Electric Love Hogs? Yeah, which is apparently where the lead singer of Goldfinger came from, or like was one of his first bands. We've also got uh, John Feldman, Dave Kushner from Velvet Revolver in here. We've got some <laughs> names in this band. That's wild. Um, and interestingly, this is a band that uh, in the late 80s early 90s um toured with a band named pygmy love circus that i do have a connection to uh there it is yeah but oh we missed one we missed a very important one which Uh, one did we miss probably his biggest gig after just trying out all of these different bands he became the touring bassist for vanilla ice during vanilla ice's new metal phase which i think he's still in so i guess it wasn't a phase but yeah, I think he might still just be there at this point. But yeah, from like uh, 1997 to 99, he was touring with Vanilla Ice. Um, we saw some video on YouTube. You can catch a show at CBGB's. He fit in uh, well. He took a shirt off. and Yeah, no, he's back there all. looking good with tattoos and the gold tooth. Um, yeah, well, again, he's tatted up. He's He is straight up. Is that just a full tooth replacement or is it capped? I guess we, we don't have dental. I think dental. it's a cap, yeah. yeah. 
he's doing that. He's just living his life. He's just working jobs because he's not making enough money as just a musician as one does. And Rivers makes a phone call or sends an email or sends or an email. I, Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Facts. And a fax. It's the 90s. <laughs> no, it's not the 90s. Fuck. Yeah. So again, this is according to that uh, Scott Schreiner podcast that I listened to um, that he was on. And apparently the guy's name is Barry. 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 Um, Rivers calls Barry and asks for a bass player. A bass player to potentially fill in uh, for shows and shows only because Mikey Welsh is their guy, but we don't really know where he is right now. And we've got scheduled gigs, a lot of them still to cover Bill. Yeah. Specifically, there is a show August 25th coming up and Mikey is still completely not being heard of within uh, honestly up until the day of that show nobody hears from mikey so a fill-in is found yeah so when rivers hits up this guy barry he needs a bassist barry knows weezer barry knows what kind of bassist weezer wants right And, and apparently he knows like tons of just musicians around town so he sends a list of Weezer basis, <laughs> nice Weezer basis. You know, like uh, like when we got Brian Bell in the band. I was gonna say it'd be it'd be like that. It's like okay, here's everybody that uh knows their favorite Star Wars action figure. Here's everyone that might be wearing glasses. Here's uh here's all my nerd bass players. But Rivers and Weezer did not want that. They wanted a fill in for Mikey to play some gigs until Mikey was gonna come back and be their bassist. Uh. So according to a couple different sources, Rivers said something along the lines of like, send me the meanest, nastiest motherfucker you got. I still don't get why that was the request. <laughs> I don't get it. Even if he is a villain, like it's weird. Yeah. I mean, it kind of same, but regardless, uh, Scott Schreiner showed up friend of the pod. <laughs> Stop saying that. No, this one I kind of can actually claim, but fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, so he gets the gig. Scott plays his first show on August 25th, 2001. Yeah, and this is a, a K-Rock Inland Invasion Festival. Uh, the first Scott Schreiner Weezer show. And it's a weird one. He gets, like, tackled on stage. Well, <laughs> that is, I mean, it's a, a K-Rock Fest, so it is one of the big radio festivals. So there's probably a lot of people side stage and around on stage and... uh can't really tell who's who. So he gets tackled, but it's not by a stranger, right? Isn't it his ex-bandmate? Yeah, turns out to be like some friend, some acquaintance of his. Like tackled him so hard just because they were like, Scott, hey! Which is so hilarious and ridiculous, especially while he's playing. But I And he continued to play while security wrangled this dude off of him. And then it was just like, wait, like, dude, I know you. Why, the, why did you do that in the middle of my set? <laughs> I don't know. It's wild. But it, the, so they go straight off of that into touring for the rest of the year. They start a tour in September, September 12th to September 29th for US pop over to Canada for one. Uh, the band Cold open. We don't know Cold, do we? I don't think we know Cold. I don't know Cold. All right. We'll look into Cold. Uh, then they get back on the road again for they actually took a month off. That's very uneasy of them. Yeah, how dare they? <laughs> they get back to it November 13th, uh, pretty much to the end of the year. 
openers for the end of uh, 2021 or 2001, though, we know these bands, Jimmy Eat World and Tenacious D. Wow. Are okay. opening the Weezer shows at to round out 2001. That is a lot of fun. Um, and then we move into 2002. We take a little bit of a break at the beginning of 2002. We just extend this tour. We are bringing back Ozma. Uh, and now we're getting Saves the Day. Yeah, now we're going in. like real emu emo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Australian shit. We're getting real emo-influenced bands, like real heavy in the Weezer circle. Okay. Um, and that ends what was in unfortunately named tour. Um, <laughs> not that unfortunate, but we're not going to say it. You can look it up. Yeah. Uh, then they head back to Europe. Um, we got some Portugal dates. We got some Spain dates. We got some UK dates. Um, we got some festivals over here that also have the cranberries on them. That's fun. Uh, Dover, Lombardi. We got some dates opened by a band named Remy Zero. Ooh, that's a that's a good band name. Yeah, that really is a good band name. <laughs> I was gonna say I was like, if you were gonna say that's a good band, I was like, I've never fucking no, no, that. Remy like, Zero. I dig that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So during this entire course of touring that we just covered, is almost every Goat Punishment show that has ever happened. Again, Goat Punishment, the name Weezer goes by when they want to play a show secretly. People don't know it's Weezer. The first two of these we covered way back. They're the uh, two 1998 shows, Mikey Welsh's first shows. Um, they did a couple warm-up Goat Punishment shows for some of their K-Rock festivals. Um, during, and Wells, like the Blink uh, New Year's show? Yeah, well, so that was the thing. We were saying during this recording of Green, they just kept playing shows bunch of them were goat punishment shows warming up for a k-rock show and then again a goat punishment show warming up for the blank show mm -hmm. uh they did another goat punishment show towards the end of 2001 in october that's actually filmed for an hbo i think it was called a reverb was the show you can watch the whole thing there's a it's a weezer set but there's a big uh gp logo in the weezer font lighting the Weezer lighting. We need to get one w. of those for the studio. Ooh, that'd be nice. We need to get some better chairs first, though. Um, They did a stint of three Goat Punishment shows at the Viper Room, as far as I can tell, just to try to get a recording of a song they wanted to put on their new album. Oh, and it kept fucking up, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was the uh, the first song just had better. The first time they tried to record, they tried to just do a mini disc Walkman, and it sounded bad. And then they tried again with a uh, soundboard recording. But it sounded bad, so they tried again, and they got a somewhat usable MP3 of one song. So that's not good for Weezer or Goat Punishment. Yeah, no, not at all. And the last Goat Punishment show for 20 years happens at the end of what we're going to cover today. And that's May 13th, 2002. And it was for the Maladroit release party. What I'm sorry. What, what was that date again? May 13th, 2002. Weezer plays a Go Punishment show. So that, May, May 13th, 2002, that would be 363 days after the release of the Green Album. You're telling me that in less than a year after the release of the Green Album, um... There's the final goat punishment show that is warming up for the release of Maladroit. Yes. 
we have to end touring on green, not because the tour ended, but because the next album came out. Okay. And we also say goodbye to Goat Punishment for 20 years. Well, and and that's an interesting note to me because we say goodbye to Goat Punishment for 20 years, but we also say hello to a solidified Weezer lineup for the next 25 plus years, you know? Well, and it's also interesting, about half of the Goat Punishment shows are Mikey Welsh, and the other half are Scott Schreiner. It was really during this point of Weezer where they were at that level of fame where they could go play a secret show under a name that nobody knew. And maybe that just doesn't exist anymore. Maybe that's why it took 20 years to do another Goat Punishment show. Huh. Okay. Well, Bill, if if we're hitting... I mean, we're not even hitting the studio for Maldroid. We run right up into the Maldroid release here. Yeah, we're going to have to backtrack again because at some point during everything we just covered, they wrote and recorded an album. <laughs> I don't know when. Uh, looking at these dates, there's a couple chunks of time in which it's like, oh, that's where they did it. Oh, that's true. I did. But we're going to get to that later. Second minutes ago, I mentioned that was a weird break. How, how uneasy. They don't usually them. do that. Well, maybe they do if they record. We haven't researched enough yet. We're in this with you guys. We're learning. So we're all going to learn about Maladroit when we do our Maladroit, which will be in two episodes. Right. Because, uh, uh, hey, like Mikey was there when we played these BBC sessions that were all Maladroit songs. Yeah, no, they started writing the second Green came out. So Mikey was part of it. Um, We'll have to see if he gets any songwriting credits, if anything he worked on made the album. Because, I mean, there's definitely some Mikey influence on Green, and he definitely brought his own energy to their performances during this tour. Matt mm-hmm. Matt was very sporadic on stage, jumping a lot. A lot of times covering up for Rivers because he couldn't move. But there were definitely different energies. And I think Scott is also going to bring a different energy to the shows. Okay. Well, I'm I'm interested to see more of this. I'm really excited and scared <laughs> don't be scared we have a lineup now we we have a lineup we, now we don't yeah, have we, to we, cover we, any more dudes we have all of the dudes we have all the dudes but we don't have anywhere near the albums bill lord we are three albums in and we've we're, gone we're three albums in and, and this is kind of like the end of our research cycle for green we do still have the uh grab bag b-side and bullshit episode coming up but that that's not really a research thing. That's just kind of us uh, coming back to it. So, like, really, Bill, before we get out of really thinking hard about Green, do you have any thoughts and feelings about it? I mean, for our podcast, it does feel weird because we're just ramping up this tour and we have to stop talking about it because another album just happened. <laughs> it happened real quick and... I don't know. I don't want to say Rivers shot green in the foot like he did Pinkerton, but something was definitely going on where he didn't want to give it the push it really deserved, maybe. But I don't think that mattered because Island in the Sun became their biggest song of all time, I believe. And Hashpipe is also up in their top 10, at least, best songs or most popular songs. 
And and that's such an interesting thing because even to the people that say Blue and Pinkerton are the only good Weezer albums, 99% of those people would put Hashpipe at least, if not Hashpipe and Island in the Sun, on to a Weezer Greatest Hits album. I, I think the older it all gets and the further away it is, I think that it's not there's only two Weezer albums, it starts to become there's four Weezer albums. And people of my generation who were introduced with Green, I think make that jump a lot easier. Where it's like, oh yeah, like there's Blue, and Blue had Pinkerton. And Green, and Green's Pinkerton is Maladroit. And these both go hand in hand. And then... Okay. And then Mm -hmm. what starts quote-unquote bad Weezer starts to happen. And we're not there yet. And I don't know if it's actually bad. (laughs) We're going to have to find out. I'm not trusting my old 14-year-old self's judgment on this anymore. I'm going to figure it out for myself. We are, yeah. Uh, But we are getting ahead of ourselves because we have an entire, like, 40-plus minutes of bullshit coming up uh, in a couple weeks for you. No, we can, we'll uh, dive further into that if if needed uh, next episode. But, Bill, I think it's time to listen to some rock and roll. Yeah, let's check out some of these bands that uh, played with Weezer during this wacky time. Okay, so, uh, I mean, we got a long list of bands, but I think there's a few easy ones that we should call out. Uh, one, Ozma. They're so wheezy. Oh, yeah. When we listen to it, we should listen to some Ozma today. Okay, I'm done. Uh, two, the Get Up Kids, because that's a the very, very influential and fun emo band. I mean, it is interesting that that's what the fans of Weezer at the time of this release. That's some Pinkerton fans, Get Up man. Kids. Yeah. We want Get Up Kids opening Absolutely. on this tour. And I love one of their songs. I'm going to play you one that keeps it pretty fucking wheezy. Okay. 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 Just wheeze out. And uh, three, let's have some fun, man. You want to listen to the D? Yeah. Yeah, man, I really do. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, man, you call it. What are we having first? Um, let's do, uh, throw, throw some Get Up Kids, whatever, uh, whatever song you got for us. All right, yeah. Um, yeah, let's hit the get up, kids. Don't hate me. Don't hate me, I'm still in love with you. First sauce. That was delightful. Yeah, Yeah, that's a fun song, right? You can see definitely influential. You can like hear some like brand new in there. You could hear some Mike M in there. Like definitely an influential band on third wave emo. And you also got some Weezer in there. I'd say it gets a little wheezy. I feel like you get a little bit of wheezy in there. Um, I really like how in, in the first bit you get a little bit of synth in the background. And then for, like, the second chorus, when it really pops off, you get, like, the synth coming in with its own line. And it's a lot of fun. Um, Wait, James DeWeese is in this band? What? The Reggie in the Full Effect. That's Reggie. Weird. What? 
Uh, James Deweese does. He he uh, is the creative force behind Reggie and the Full Effect. He does keyboards for, and I think was a full time member for My Chemical Romance um, during the Black Parade era. And oh, he joined after this album, so he was on that one that everybody likes. Oh, okay. So yeah, uh, this song that we listened to today was off of the nineteen ninety seven album Four Minute Mile. Uh, one of my favorite emo albums just fucking ever yeah that's pretty solid the next one 99 uh something to write home about was more acclaimed for sure uh but this one's my favorite and fuck you and they totally would have been playing this one on tour with weezer um oh, absolutely so yeah i mean that that is curious that they would have like a synth line as lead on a song and like i mean i guess anybody could play that line but they don't have somebody that is a keyboardist in the band at the time and then James Dewey shows up, and that's what he does. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, like, after they had the, after probably this one, they're just like, should we hire a guy that actually <laughs> knows how probably, to do this? Because, like, yeah. pe- people really like this one, so should we add some more of that, maybe? They like when the keys go, That's a very Weezer, Wii U. Yeah. The, oh, fuck. There it is. Yeah, you're right. Oh, damn. All right. Well, speaking uh, of very Weezer. Yeah, speaking of very Weezer, we got Ozma. Um, they were the other band that was selected by the fans to play this Yahoo tour. And this one, uh, these guys just kind of sound like they were just trying to do Weezer because we're going to listen to the biggest song off of, uh, their 2001 album, rock and roll part three. And at least according to Spotify, this is their debut. So I love that as an album title. It's not. Stop going up Spotify for release dates. Oh, thank God. All we've right. We've been over this. We've been over this. You're right. You're right. Well, e- either way, we're going from the 2001 album, and this sounds a lot like 1994 Weezer, from what I remember. So this is the other side of the coin. Like, Get Up Kids was Weezer fans were listening what they were listening to that wasn't Weezer, and this is what Weezer fans were listening to. That sounds just like Weezer, so we want more Weezer. Yeah, so uh, let's just jump into Domino Effect by Ozma or Ozma. We don't fucking know. Okay, before we talk about how wheezy that song really was, uh, I do have to apologize to you, John. Um, I wasn't mad about Rock and Roll Part 3. I got confused with an argument I was in earlier about a Dutch prog rock band named Focus and that their third album is Focus 3, not their first album, like Spotify says. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I so I was right. Rock they did actually three. do a party, uh, a fucking power move. I love that. It's it's not their first release, but it is their first studio album in the way that Cheshire Cat is Blink-182's first album, but Buddha exists. Okay. I but apologize, and I wanted to put it on record, John. I appreciate that. <laughs> I correct myself when I'm wrong. Because I do like to see when bands do that. Um, yeah, because where's Rock and Roll Part 2? Where's Rock and Roll Part 1? Yeah. and But, like, hey, we've got a... 
one of my um the, the band that i dig for a while remo drive oh, uh, yeah. out of the emo scene their debut lp was called greatest hits i love that move that's always that's a classic that's fun as hell yeah, so rock and roll part three is a different side of the same coin of that. Just like yeah, let's do that more. Um, All Music reviewed this album, and they said that Ozma has arguably written the best Weezer album of two thousand and one. Yeah, <laughs> and yes, the real thing also had an album come out this same year. <laughs> I mean, damn, but yeah, that was a really good song. Harsh, but fair. Honestly, um, that was really wheezy. I did not dislike any of it. Yeah, if you remember from the Pinkerton series, it really sounds right at home on Songs from the Black Hole, the unreleased Rivers Cuomo album or Weezer album. Right. We found ourselves, or mostly I found myself, trying to fit in different... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> timings of songs from the black hole songs. A lot of them over worked that, over, over those synth lines. It yeah. worked. Um, wow, that was that was fucking Weezer. Yeah, what? That was good. We should was probably fun. we should probably listen to that whole album soon. We should absolutely listen to that album on uh, probably the Crystal Art Gorillas Hour. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, you gonna plug the Patreon? Uh, it's shameless self plug in the middle of the show. We do have a Patreon. We have some bonus content, and we're gonna be listening to Ozma later tonight because we're gonna be recording an emergency episode. Uh, back to the real show. Tenacious D's next. Yeah, I mean that's wild that um, they were opening this tour. Uh, there is an incredible Audible series from Tenacious D, Jack Black, and. Kyle Gass read their parts. It's not like an audiobook. It is just like a podcast, but they will go through their whole history and it's fascinating. And at this time, they were just two comedians playing music with acoustic guitars. Not a full band, nothing crazy, which is why I think we should listen to Wonder Boy because I think it's the best example of what they sounded like live at the time. Yeah. So uh, I didn't listen to a single word you said after you said the word audible. Uh, because that's something that you can maybe say in a game of football to change the play. Uh, because I really like the band name Remy Zero. So let's listen to Save Me by Remy Zero. Fucking cocksucker. All right, four minutes is too long for that song. I'm not doing that. I'm sorry I did that to you, Bill. Son of a bitch, we just listened to the intro to Smallville. That's what that is. That's God damn what it. that is. I was I was sitting there. I was like, where the fuck is this from? You asshole. Oh, no. Shout I'm so out, sorry. Shout out to Jacob Bruno. Uh, John, play Wonder Boy by Tenacious D. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sorry again, Bill. Here's Wonder Boy.
All right, that was a lot more fun, but it was also too long. No, that's perfect song. Uh, it, it's really good, but it's a little bit too long. No, nah, it's think. perfect. Um, you know who Tenacious D's drummer is, correct? No. Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl has drummed on every Tenacious D album. What? Dave Grohl is the drummer for Tenacious D. Not live, though. That's not brought up in any moment of his book, from what I remember. They just call him and say, Dave, we're doing another D album. And then Dave shows up and records and goes home. I love that. He has been doing this since 2001. And I'm sure we'll do it again if there's ever a new Tenacious D album. What? <laughs> it's wonderful. I've read this man's book. It never comes up. Oh, it's delightful. I love it so much. That's Dave for you. What? <laughs> well, I think we're done, John. That's it, man. <laughs> we toured. We toured. We greened. We Mikey'd. Oh, my we Scotted. Scott's here, man. We got more Scott to go. We have, I mean, yeah, at yeah. least... Decades. Decades of Scott to go. The nasty motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, the non-wheezy bass player. The fill-in. Not Rivers' guy. Just the guy that's playing some shows. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to see how quickly it solidifies. How quickly he really is just in it once uh, we get going on this next round of uh, recording. Spoiler alert, um, it's already solidified by what we've talked about today. Yeah. Oh we have God. to backtrack a lot because Weezer, when Weezer is wheezing, they wheeze hard. Yeah, they are they touring. They do not stop doing their thing. They're writing, they're touring, they're recording almost simultaneously uh, while also attending Harvard at times. Did he graduate yet? No. Okay. Not in close. So we still got to do that. Well, no, I think we, we, we've dropped out. Oh, we'll, we'll go back at some point. All right. All right. I'm ready. Well, that's it for this episode. We're, yeah. We're done. Man, we really have nothing else. Yeah. Um, I mean, we got to wrap up green. We're going to wrap up green in a couple weeks for our next episode. The grab bags, some B-sides. We're also in a weird spot a little bit where, like, as we move forward, the B-sides are, you know, at, tougher to find than some of the other albums. I, right? think, I think we're going to be able to pull them out. They're just going to be more Rivers demos than fully extended B-sides. I mean, right. Rivers demos, maybe some YouTube videos of concerts in which something that never made it to an album get got played. Um but it's not as easy as just, you know, hitting up the deluxe edition and finding, you know, the kitchen tape, which most of it is now on Spotify. True. Um, but, huh, man, we're going to have some fun wrapping this up next time. But, Bill, before we go, we just got one more thing. Yeah. You Weezer fan? Yeah. I think so. I think so still. Uh, Bill, where can people find us? 
You can check us out on Twitter or X at A-Y-A-W-F pod or just search Are You a Weezer Fan? And we are on TikTok and Instagram at Are You a Weezer Fan? All right. Uh, yeah, and don't forget, you can also find us on Patreon. That link is going to be in the description if you want to uh, support us and get some fun bonus content where we listen to pretty much exclusively non-Weezer music. Uh, we still talk about Weezer, though. It happens. Um, yeah, we'll see you next time.